Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 71, we talk about the second half of Christopher Nolan's filmography with The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, and Dunkirk in anticipation for his newest film, Tenet. You can listen to part one of this podcast on your preferred streaming service, and we hope you enjoy part two. Sorry about some of the audio issues. It's quarantine season, so we're doing uh, the best that we can. Can we skip the Dark Knight? It's too scary. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> I remember our English teacher in high school said he didn't want to watch the Dark Knight because it was too scary. He thought the Joker scared him too much and he didn't want to do it. And really? Yeah, he. this was uh, Mr. Harold. He really didn't want to watch Mr. it. Mr. Harold, your pants. It freaked him out Just too kidding. much. Um, the Dark Knight was like the biggest deal ever when it came out it made so much money and everybody saw it and everybody was talking about Heath Ledger who passed away and that's probably a huge reason why everyone came out to see it but also it's Batman also it's Joker um it's a sequel and I love this movie so much and I still too I I still love it to this day and I feel like I've said this before, but it was like the first movie I ever saw in theaters, and it was like the one that really got me to love movies. And I didn't even know much about Batman, but this movie really got me into Batman too, and is the reason I have gone to all the other movies and even read comic books at this point and watched that mm-hmm. Goofy's, uh, the Goofy '60s TV show. I. The Dark Knight is still super great, and it's an epic. It's a very, it's kind of a long movie, but it's an epic movie with epic performances and great action scenes that are even better than the first one because the first one had way too much shaky cam going on, but this one doesn't. This one actually (laughs) shot it way, way better. That is the huge one-up that this has over Batman Begins. On top of all the other one-ups, that's the biggest one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Love the movie. What do you guys think of The Dark Knight? Well, if uh, Batman Begins is like Captain America, the first Avenger, this is like Winter Soldier. This is way refined and like way higher stakes, it feels like, because Joker is just complete chaos, doesn't care about anything. Um, and it, it just feels like it was all leading up to this, even though it's only the second movie in the, right. in the trilogy. It, it definitely feels like the, I guess, since it is in the middle, it's like the climax of the story, but it was great. I loved it. I remember seeing it in theaters and really loving it. So I didn't get to see this in theaters. I, uh, you know, actually, the only Christopher Nolan movie I've ever seen in theaters is Dunkirk. Oh. Which is sad. That's sad. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I remember, I think I borrowed this... I either borrowed it from you, Justin, or from Winston Lottie. And brought it home and watched it with my mom, since my mom was the one who, like, got me to watch Batman Begins. and Yeah, I remember thinking it was pretty scary, but super good and then like 
it's it's like the only Superman movie or not Superman, the only superhero movie that like I know will never get old for me. I could pop it in any time, anywhere, and be just as thrilled by it every time. You know, mm-hmm. like as much as I love superhero movies, I think I would get sick of them, any of them. But this is like the one that's it's just that another level of cinema. You know. Um, and I always forget the order of events that happens in it. Like, like I forget at what point, like when uh, Gordon is riding um, in the squad with the guy to the hospitals, and like the the uh, officer in there with him is like holding a shotgun, and they're like talking about his wife, um, or like where he's like trying to protect that. Yeah, it's the same time where he's like trying to protect that Reed guy, the uh, or Reese. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Every there's a lot of really really cool iconic scenes. Like when I think of the Dark Knight, like a lot of people think of like the Joker walking away from the hospital as it's blowing up, or like for me, I think of like when the Joker slides down the mountain of money and starts it on <laughs> fire. Yeah. It's like such a cool scene, or we like breaks the pool cue and hands it to the two gang guys to like fight to the death. <laughs> ah, it's so good. Yeah. Such a can good talk, movie. Can we talk about Tommy Lee Jones's uh, portrayal of Two Face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I love Aaron Eckhart in this movie so much. I think yeah. he is. Everybody, like Joker, got all the praise. Heath Ledger deserves all the praise. He is the shining part of this movie, and by far, to me, still the best Joker. Like he's the best. Maybe people like Joaquin Phoenix more, but I, I I'd argue maybe that's not even Joker because it's sort of a kind of just a take on Joker. I feel like this is like actually Joker for the Batman universe. Um, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, I mean, that's how I, I feel. Use- if it's it works better for me if you base it on his original origins, which was he really didn't have an origin. Um, yeah. But Aaron Eckhart in this movie is awesome. Like he, I wish that guy would show up in more movies because it doesn't seem like he's in too many. But he's a really good actor and he's great in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's kind of almost got the hardest job where he's got to be like the straightforward. Um, district attorney but at the same time he's got to be like a little unhinged and he's got to get worse as things go on and knowing like who harvey dent is from like the other movie or animated series or whatever and like seeing that slow progression of him going to that place and being becoming two-faced is pretty cool to see yeah they should have had billy d williams come back (laughs) yeah they got him in uh, Lego Batman. Yeah, I know. I I I'd heard that. I'm like, finally, after all these years. <laughs> um, um, and that C- that his CG was really. I remember it was really scary and really cool at the time. How they did yeah. that. Like you could see that through his face. Is it's so good? Like for 2008, like. Yeah, it holds yeah, up. It, it, holds up so well like yeah really good 
honestly all the effects in Christopher Nolan movies do because he often tries to go practical so you can almost count on your fingertips um, how many times he's put like a CG effect in a movie or at least one that's noticeable enough and that's yeah one of the major ones and that one's still one of the best ones and I like the part of the, I really liked about that too was that it was like not in the marketing at all and everything was kind of focused on the Joker when the trailers ca- came out and when the media was going crazy about it that was pretty much the reason why I saw it I saw it like in its fourth week of release but it's because people were still talking about it in like the news constantly so I finally went and saw it and I had no idea that Two-Face was in the movie I knew who Two-Face was I feel like it's a character a lot of people know I feel like I maybe did remember the Tommy Lee Jones character but to see him like show up at the end of the movie I was like I didn't know that this was going to happen and that kind of made it more exciting because he ended up becoming even like the better villain of the movie he kind of goes on a crazier tirade even though Joker is like the main show like underneath here you got Two-Face who's doing like he's almost quicker he's like out killing people faster and joker is like i don't know he's got more of a humor to it so he takes his time it's like yeah face could have done more damage if he was given more time (laughs) well joker knows he's evil but harvey like thinks he's doing good even though he's not like Like, a new form of justice no one sees himself as the villain but joker obviously does but yeah, I, I don't know. I did like a, I did a video where I compared, um, Batman to uh, Harvey Dent, and how they both kind of were dealt the si- similar cards, but they kind of, they ended up doing different things in the end. Where Batman tried to turn his tragedy into uh, moral good and set a, he he set guidelines for himself. Um, Harvey Dent didn't do that as much. He set his own different set of rules that didn't really abide to anything as far as morals go. He followed more on the natural, you know, selection of things or like the... It's all up to chance. That's what it was about with that coin. But even with that coin, he kind of like broke his own rules because... I know. (laughs) And I mean, I think that's kind of the point. Like, he's trying to set his own rules for himself, but just because he's already so morally incorrect, he can't even follow mm-hmm. his, you know, his guidelines. Whereas Batman can, because he is like a morally good person, and he's trying to become better from his tragedy. Whereas Harvey Dent's trying to blame other people, and that's why. Because there's there are times in the movie where like he, um, with that coin, he would even be like flip it and then he was like let's go again or he would put other people up against the coin like he was gonna shoot that one guy i forget who it is he's one of the mob leaders though but then he ends up shooting the driver and it's like why is the driver even included in this that just doesn't seem Mm -hmm. but that's what i mean i feel like he's almost cheating his own system that he built for himself (laughs) yeah Um, I i feel like we should talk about the joker more but Um, I, I don't I don't know where to even start with him. Like, 
like every, everyone says like oh yeah like he has such a great performance but like it's an incredible iconic performance mm-hmm. that Joaquin Phoenix anyone who's tried to top like you can't like Joaquin Phoenix knew he, I can't top Heath Ledger like I have to do something different which was like more like the comics in my opinion mm-hmm. um leaving Heath Ledger to just be its own like and not really anti kind of anti-vigilante but more of like a, a different vigilante altogether where like the whole quote of like some people just want to see the world burn like he's his own breed of vigilante but not fighting for justice he's more just wants to prove to everyone that there's no such thing as justice you know like that's his like only goal is to prove that justice cannot exist. You know. I don't know. It's good. The writing is good. His performance is great. But really it's like you need both. You need the you need that screenwriting and like character development to make the performance of the, his character work so well. And that's a great marriage of his performance with the actual his lines and like the scenes that he's supposed to be in you know because like even like christian bale's a great batman but there's some points where it's like some of his words might not quite lead up to his like his he's he's like overacting some parts sometimes i feel like christian bale's batman but heath ledger as a joker it's a flawless i mean it's it's not even just that he's like living up to what the director or the writers want from him he like kind of uh, hijacked the role and made it something his own. Completely his own. Like, the makeup was, like, his idea and stuff, and, um, I don't know. It's all great. I think it's just weird to go back to that time where the only Joker that anybody knew was Jack Nicholson, and then when Heath Ledger was originally announced, people didn't even really like that idea, I guess, because he hadn't been in too many movies where he plays a villain so i guess you need to do villainous performances before you can be considered for a villainous role i don't know um but re-watching this movie there's some times where i feel like it's kind of got an odd looking shot here or there or it's edited weird here or there but i think that's just from re-watching it so much every time i watch it i still love the epic scale of it all and just like Oh, they can't do that in a movie. Like, the idea of threatening to blow up a hospital and then to, like, actually do it. Because I feel like there's some movies where it's like, we're going to threaten that and then we're going to stop it, save the day, and that's not going to happen. But they're like, no, we got to just get everybody out of here. And it's just this constant uh, cat and mouse game where you got to... Joker does something and everyone's got to respond and everyone kind of responds in a way that instead of just stopping the Joker, we have to work around what's going on so we got to get people out of the hospital you know we gotta um maybe blow up the other boat on the other side stuff like that and it's just it's crazy because it doesn't feel repetitive even though it's kind of doing the same thing where it's like joker does something batman comes and it's like layered over and over again and it just keeps on going and i when i first saw it and still re-watching it I just wish it would never end because I love it that much. I'm like, keep this going because it's so it's so good. Rachel, she looks a lot better in this movie than the first one. <laughs> I'm I like Maggie Gyllenhaal better than 
Katie Holmes. I guess I didn't really think about it. <laughs> I don't know how many people did notice at the time, because I don't know how many people saw Batman Begins or even cared to realize that it I noticed was the same it. character. <laughs> yeah, um, they're totally I, different I noticed people. It. <laughs> but I guess I just didn't... I don't think I've ever watched them back-to-back, because they're so, oh. such long movies. So oh, I've watched but, them yeah, back-to-back. Yeah, they're, they're totally different people. They don't look anything alike, really. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Katie Holmes one more, personally. Like, Maggie Gyllenhaal is cool and all. Like she, I don't know. I felt like, like you said earlier, Justin. You felt like their relationship was a little bit more believable. But I like um, Katie Holmes a little bit more as an actress. Just personal, but yeah. I feel like Maggie Gyllenhaal just didn't get because Katie Holmes got the sweet side, but also the um, kind of the straightforward. Um, you know, she's a working woman and she doesn't have time for Bruce Wayne and all his issues and such. And she kind of got to play both of those in Batman Begins. But in The Dark Knight, she's kind of full on. She's doing her job. She doesn't really have time for Bruce and she's moved on from him completely. And I like that part of her. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit maybe I guess you could have taken from Batman Begins as far as their relationship goes, but I don't know. It just wasn't a focal point in the second one, but then again, a lot of his character really wasn't because it was so much more about the story and um, and the Joker and Harvey Dent and all these other characters because they started giving a lot more development to the side characters, and that's why, to me, it's a better movie, but... It's different from the first one, but it's good. It's better. I like it better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's my number one Christopher Nolan movie. Mine too. My number four. It's my number two. Nice. Um, we can move on to Inception, which just hit its 10th anniversary. What was that wonderful sound? <laughs> That was the from all the ads. I forgot about that. Blah. Inception was the first movie I ever saw because I saw the director's name in the trailer and it said, from the director of The Dark Knight and I was like, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty much it. And that was, I mean, it was a cool trailer. It was a cool idea. Um... This is gonna be just like the Dark Knight. I love Inception so much. It's up there too. So tell me about Inception, guys. Uh, this was the first. Like I, I, I saw it kind of at Hunter's house and I fell asleep. But that was because. <laughs> was it a two movie? It was night? a two movie yeah, night. And it was the second movie. And you slept through probably eighty percent of the movie. Yeah. So. Of I, Inception. I didn't really watch it, so I had to actually watch it uh, a couple, two days ago. Um, yeah, two days ago. I liked it a lot. Um, it, it was, it's like a weird take on a heist movie that I really dug. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It, it, it was beautifully shot. <laughs> and I, I liked all the actors in it. Um, and the concept's cool. I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, 
You know, I was going to say, like, too, about you saying that's beautifully shot. I think his movies progressively got better and better looking. Um, yeah. Because Batman Begins, like I said before, especially with the action, I was like, it's it's shot okay, um, but it's not as good as, his, as The Dark Knight. But I think they progressively get better. But weirdly enough, yeah. I almost think Insomnia is his best shot movie, and that's before all of these. <laughs> And it's the same cinematographer, but since then they've like, mm. then Batman Begins there was a dip, and then they've increasingly got better because like Interstellar looks really good, and I think Dark Knight yeah. Rises for its issues is like the best looking of the Batman movies, and mm. then you get to like Dunkirk, which pretty much is a visual movie. Um, I love Inception. Was this the first time you watched Inception? Um, Me? Yeah. Te- technically, yeah. So I. I- I don't have, like, enough to, like, go into it, because it's technically, like, my first time seeing it, but... Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I, yeah, I... I I just did a video on this movie, because it was the 10th anniversary, and I hadn't watched the movie in a couple years, and I was worried that I wasn't gonna like it as much, because, oh, that happened with The Dark Knight Rises very badly, but rewatching Inception, I was like, wow, it's still just as good as I remember, and then I like kind of clicked on the time and I saw it was like two and a half hours and I'm like I don't know if I got it in me to watch it in one night though but it like really picked up and by the end I'm like it's almost over already I'm like man it's such a good movie and <laughs> such a good idea and you know he's done these ideas before we talked about Memento before but this is something that even when I first saw it I felt like the idea I kept up with it right away, and it didn't seem too difficult. It seemed like it was explained very well uh, for an idea that hasn't really been done before. An impossible screenplay to try to interpret in a movie that's like a visual format, and you're trying to explain the technical side of everything. But I think they do it really well. Yeah, yeah Justin, this is like... I, I know I've talked to you before, like how you kind of were the person who like got me into movies, but... Inception specifically is probably the number one movie that got me to think about movies in the way of like an art form of like how they're made and how they should be experienced. And the memory I have is you putting it on when we were at UMD at Honor Band (laughs) and we're staying there for like the weekend or wherever it was and you like put it on in some classroom to watch. And you were, like, talking through the whole movie. But you were, like, talking, talking about, like, how great it was. Like, how just talking about every actor and, like, who they were as an actor. It was the first time, like, I'd ever heard the words, like, Tom Hardy. And you were, like, look at this guy. He's, like, the Terminator. He's just so badass. And, like, that's where I fell in love with Tom Hardy. is like, from watching Inception with you at UMD. And, uh... Huh? Oh, I just said Jack Courtney. Jack Courtney. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This movie is like, it, I love it, and it'll always have like that soft spot in my heart. Is like the, the movie that got me to like think about movies like critically, you know? Yeah. Um. That's yeah, it's like a great this, movie. I think The Dark Knight was the first movie where I really started to realize I'm like, oh, movies can be good like i i mean you watch movies and you're like yeah i mean you kind of play them in the background the dark knight was like Mm -hmm. movies can be good and inception 
was a movie where I like walked out and I, I thought about every piece of it, like the music too, and the, the look of it, and the acting, and the story, and I was really thinking like, I how do you make that? I want to do that, and that's really where kind of my love of movies really, really picked up, and pretty much why yeah. I still discuss them as much as I do today, and try to improve the craft. I don't know, I... That is the movie that got me really into it. This is the only movie he's worked with Leonardo DiCaprio on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird, actually. You Maybe because he didn't get his Oscar nomination, so maybe that's why he doesn't <laughs> want to do it again with Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, well, like, all of his, like, main... All of his main actors, he, like, switches out. Like, the only actor he really uses twice as like as like a main character is like Christian Bale from Prestige and Batman Mm -hmm. otherwise like as often as he uses uh, Michael Caine or uh, like Anne Hathaway, Tom Hardy they're all like background characters right you know yeah he doesn't really maybe Leonardo DiCaprio costs too much I don't know um but I think yeah, he's, could be. I, I don't know if I would call this one of his best movies, but I think he gets the job done very well because I think I, I think he's a very enjoyable actor, and mm. I really like Ellen Page in the movie too because she's meant yeah. to she's almost kind of just there to explain everything or to ask the questions so things can be explained, but she's also got a very <laughs> good character. Like you can tell she's like very confident and also like stands up for herself because. As soon as she's in the dream world, like, she's already getting, like, kind of critical about things. Like, she's messing around with everything. But she's also very critical of some of Leonardo DiCaprio's stuff that he's got going Mm -hmm. on. Because she's, like, recreating that uh, bridge that she sees at her college all the time. And he's like, you're not supposed to create stuff from the real world and she's like oh why not and he's like because you can start to confuse them and he's like oh is that what happened to you and she's like right away getting up in his grill about everything and I'm like yeah because she digs this but she also knows that this is a messed up technology and Mm -hmm. she's gonna you know she wants to mess around with it but she also probably has questions and concerns and I like that because she makes her a more well rounded character other than just being this young kind of oh what is this what is that like she's got a character yeah and so is joseph gordon levitt and so does tom hardy they all just are kind of different and yeah i forget yeah the characters are really good too this is a good movie like (laughs) it's great all of it's pretty freaking great joseph gordon levitt's great um pretty much everyone in their like heist team even the the like Egyptian guy or wherever he's the the chemist, yeah. he's even great in it, you know. Uh, do we uh, discuss that ending? Huh? I said, do we discuss that ending where we decide if it was a dream or not? <laughs> what do you think? Um, my stance was I don't care. I've never have really cared. I just thought it was kind of in a way a gimmicky ending but i liked it um i have uh, theories that support that it is not a dream it's the real world 
and one of them is Michael Caine, who said in an interview he thinks it's real just because he's like, because I'm there with him. Why would I be in the dream with him? That doesn't make sense. Um, another thing was that apparently when Cobb is wearing a wedding ring, he's only wearing the wedding ring in the dream world. But when he's not in the dream world, he's not wearing a wedding ring. And in that scene, he's not wearing a wedding ring. And the other thing was... There had always been the theory that, well, because his kids in all the flashbacks are always dressed the same, and since they're dressed the same in the final scene, that means it's the dream again because he's just referring back to that flashback. But if you look this up online, those kids are actually wearing different clothes from all the other scenes. They are slightly different. They are not exactly the same. And that's what finally tipped me off. I'm like, they purposely did that because it's not a dream. It is the real world. How long has he been away from his family? It, It's never said, but another thing was those actors also, the kid actors look slightly older too. Not too much, okay. but slightly older. They are different actors and they look slightly older. I always think it's probably about like two years, but... <laughs> They're just Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, and then they de-age them. <laughs> the prestige. <laughs> they de-age them until they're like four years old. It's like Dwight with all the wigs, and they just like yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing too that I thought was if Cobb was gonna go all to to all that work to go into um, limbo to. Saito, when he goes yeah. to retrieve Saito from Limbo, and they show in the final scene that they're on the airplane, everyone says, oh, well, that's where the dream starts, which is another part where I'm like, well, why would his entire dream showcase him leaving the airport and arriving home? Like, what kind of dream is that? That also doesn't make sense. He would have just been at home right away. But why would he go into Limbo to get Saito? And then not escape Limbo, especially since he's been there before, and he doesn't really want to be there. That's why I kind of felt like it's definitely... He's too well-trained at this point, and he's already let go of Maul. I feel like he doesn't want to be in the dream world anymore, and he would have escaped. So, that's that's my uh, five-part argument for why it's not... It's I don't think it's a dream. <laughs> I read a comment where... Because that scene, he spins the top, and then he stands there for a second, and then walks away. So I read something where someone interpreted that as he doesn't care whether he's in the dream state or in real life. He's just happy to have his family back. And that's kind of the way I like to understand it. Like, he doesn't care anymore. He just wants to be there. He just wants to be present in that moment. I've heard that argument, too, um, where it's just a matter of him just not caring anymore. And... I kind of like that. That is almost kind of better because it's like at this point he's already gone through so much he just wants to be in whatever reality has them even if that reality is not real. Um, I've heard that too. I don't know. I just I feel like that was just always I don't know the whole if it, is it a dream or not. I don't know what you guys think because I I've never cared about it too much but I obviously I put a lot of thought into it <laughs> but yeah, I never really cared a ton. I just kind of, I, I just, I like living in the ambiguity of it more than trying to decide myself. You know, I like that I don't know, but and I have I, heard that I, like the, I don't care explanation because there's still that ambiguity there. 
but you mm-hmm. get a little bit of resolution, like he's happy now, but he, yep. you don't know if it's real or not. Yeah. I think the, the sound, like the score in that moment, like I, I, we haven't really talked about the score of any of his movies yet, like Hans Zimmer doing just insanely great on everything, but the score for this part of the movie is intoxicating. It's so good. It matches this the scene so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this score is... I still love it a lot. I think it's one of the best ever done. Uh, mm-hmm. When I saw this movie in theaters with my mom, and all she really said about it was, it was loud because of the score. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but just having a problem having to turn up and down the volume constantly. You you need to get a sound bar friend to equalize that sound. Yeah, something. No, it. I I bought some of the tracks after this movie came out back in 2010, and one of them was like that final track. I, I it's such good music, and you know it's even kind of mixing up that music for the getting out of the dream. He like actually mm-hmm. did slow down that music and like recreate it using like a brass orchestra and such and a lot of like heavy strings so really it's really cool music and yeah we we probably should talk more about the music on the, the other movies like his dark knight theme which i really like a lot too it, it's i like the original mm-hmm. batman theme more but the stuff han zimmer did for batman's awesome and i think his best yeah. work was in dark knight rises but we will get to that um was there anything else about Inception that you guys wanted to talk about? I mean, I think this is my number two. It's also my number two. It's my number five. This is my number four. <laughs> number two. Um, so... We could talk about Dark Knight Rises, um, which was a title I was very disappointed in when it was announced. Um, Yep, me too. So when it was in the planning stages, and I was on like online forums for people who were predicting what it would be, since the first one had Batman in the title, and the second one had the Dark Knight, which is another term for the Batman... I thought the third one was going to be called The Caped Crusader. And I was so excited. I was like, that would be perfect. And it would be like, if it's going to be the final film and it ends on an uplifting note, Caped Crusader sounds more uplifting than The Dark Knight. So maybe that's what it will be called. And then they call it Dark Knight Rises. And I was like, okay, marketing department, cool, cheap. Tie it to the second <laughs> film that made a billion dollars so everyone will come to see it and not get confused. Yeah. I thought about the Caped Crusader. And there was one I thought I heard over the years, like in a like original comic book that I thought would have been a good movie. That didn't seem campy, but I can't remember it now. Adam I'll West. think of it maybe. Just Adam West. (laughs) Adam West wishes. How kablam. This was the first movie I ever saw a midnight showing for. 
the night it came out. Um, this is the I, only one I didn't see. But you missed the best you? one. This is the one with Bane and the bomb. With Bert. <laughs> you know what? People complain oh, oh. about his voice, and everyone's like, "I can't understand him." I'm like, "Bro, you can't understand what Batman's saying." That's the whole series. You can't understand any of that. <laughs> um. I sucked in like every single bit of information on this movie and like every announcement and I think I watched every like TV spot on YouTube because I was mm-hmm. so excited for this movie to come out and I loved it at first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a preface for me to say that the movie sucks nowadays. I don't think it does. But there was a time where I saw this movie and I actually thought it was better than The Dark Knight. And I, uh, rewatching it, I'm like, I've, ch- I've majorly changed my mind. <laughs> um, tell me about your Dark Knight Rises experience. Well, I think he handled Bane a lot better than Batman and Robin. <laughs> they actually gave his character some, some, some substance. Because the other one was just a bumbling... Arr, arr. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely noticed the... Uh, I don't know what we'd call it, bat breath or something. <laughs> it's, <laughs> bat breath. It's bat breath. Um, I don't know. It's definitely the weakest of the three. Easily. Is that even an argument? <laughs> no, yeah. I know. No, I mean, it's... I feel like everyone would say that. Except about Bane. I think a lot of people really... Some people I thought I've heard prefer Bane over the Joker. Because... I don't. I, I think he did better than the other Bane. Like, they made Bane actually have a brain. Um, so I'm glad that they made him an actual character. Mm-hmm. I don't... I never would have thought to make him like a main villain. Yeah, me neither. I thought, it worked, choice, but... I thought it worked really well. I just didn't. It I didn't wish work. they wouldn't have given him the connection to Razal Ghul and then have him die in a kind of stupid way. And I, well, you know, because for a while I thought it was cool the way he died because it was like, yeah, Batman literally cannot be—he can't beat him—and I love that part of it because hand-to-hand he can't beat him no matter how hard he tries because Bane is literally stronger than Batman and we just have to accept that and then he gets killed because it's not part of Batman's code but Catwoman doesn't care but like watching it nowadays I'm like I don't know that's maybe a little cheap I could see people being a little disappointed in that what did we think of Catwoman I thought she was awesome I loved Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. I had no <laughs> expectations because I hadn't seen Batman Returns yet. Uh, so I didn't see, like, Michelle Pfeiffer's version. And comparing yeah. the two, I mean, they're just completely different. It's kind of hard to even compare. But I really like Anne Hathaway in the movie. I think she... Especially when she's not in the Catwoman getup before she becomes Catwoman and she's sneaking into Wayne Manor and she's interacting with Batman and all those different places. I think it's very much 
what the character is supposed to be, um, but just like a new take on it and modern, uh, real world version of the character, kind of what the. I think they no should have just had Halle Berry like they were supposed to, and cross that over. Get married? <laughs> no, Halle Berry. Oh, Halle Berry. Oh, I thought you said they should get married. Oh, ha- they I mean, should have that, had that Halle also- Berry in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think even by the time this came out, most people had already forgotten about that Catwoman movie. <laughs> um, I, nowadays, this movie gets a little sillier. Like, even the fact that it all revolves around a bomb the bomb is going to explode and destroy Gotham. I'm like, wow, this is like, isn't this literally the 1960s TV show? Like, what? that's like the, that's one of the jokes in the 60s Batman movie where he's like running around with a bomb. And he's like, sometimes he can't get rid of the bomb. And I was like, is Nolan trying to like make the 60s TV show realistic? It's like, no, there really could be a bomb. <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. Like, I don't, that part of it doesn't bother me. Like the whole ending of this movie, I think is awesome, but there's just a lot that builds up to it that I feel like is very unnecessary. And they could have found a way to maybe not shortened it, but like made things a little more simple because the whole movie starts out with, we are killing these, we're killing this guy because we're going to use this doctor but we're gonna make it seem like this other guy is dead by injecting his blood into this other guy and then having the plane crash so it seems like the doctor's dead and so everyone will think the doctor's dead but then we use that doctor to make the like nuclear reactor that's meant to harness energy he's gonna turn into a bomb and then we're gonna reveal to everyone that the doctor's actually alive and then we're gonna kill him anyway and it's like why even do all that like why not just kidnap him and have it be a mystery if you're gonna reveal it later anyway then there's that whole subplot about batman's fingerprints and you gotta get them off the safe and that's why catwoman's being paid by this other guy who is being paid by this other guy to be sent there and he's working with bane but then bane cuts him out later and it's like well why is bane cutting him now like why did he need him all along i guess for the money but now he doesn't need him so he cut him out and then bane takes control and then is like cutting the city off from the rest of the world and the rest of the world's like oh which at the time i thought that's really unrealistic you really think the government would just be like uh but the way they're treating coronavirus never mind i guess they kind of are uh (laughs) that that ended up being the most realistic part of the movie (laughs) so walls up around gotham and just don't interact with the rest of the world (laughs) (laughs) all i know is that like oh like the part where they're trying to cross that bridge and that guy's like we're gonna blow up the bridge and i'm like that guy went blow up the bridge they would have figured it out and instead like now that all this has happened i'm like oh that guy would have blew up the bridge Uh, i completely misunderestimated the government (laughs) what about uh the reveal of robin at the end you should use your full name I like it better, Robin. <laughs> Robin. God, it's like, it's not even bad. I don't mind that he is Robin. I just wish it wasn't part of his name. Like, yeah, that, I, they, I think they could have found a more around. interesting way to interject it. Like, I don't know, have the ending of the movie, him in the Batcave, and he has like maybe a notebook that has like a Robin on it. I don't know. Like, you could have done something different 
not have it in his name. It's kind of like, God, like Rogue One. Like, what's what's your call sign? Uh, Rogue One. It's like, oh, Mr. Han, who are you with? He's like, oh, I'm alone. He's like, huh, you're solo, huh? <laughs> it's like, stop. God. Interjecting classic cartoony names into these movies that are meant to be, I guess, realistic. Like, because what what was his, his name in the movie? Uh, John. John. Oh, it was Blake or something. John Blake. Yep. John Blake. Yeah. John, John Cop. Mister. Rob, Robin John Blake is that his name? <laughs> his first Joseph. Name. Joseph Gordon Robinette Biden was his. Robin name. <laughs> oh my god, they're gonna make a Biden movie someday and Joseph Gordon Levitz is gonna play Biden. Hunter, what were your thoughts on Dark Knight Rises? Uh I like it. Um but more of like I like it like it's more of like it's like the most popcorn y movie of them all for me. Like I can pop it in and like kinda pay attention. But I feel like I don't have to with that one. Like, Batman Begins, or especially Dark Knight, you got to watch everything. It's super linear. There's not, like, any flashbacks in it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's good, but it's not great. You know, it's not like the other ones. But it is definitely fun. There's still sweet fight scenes in it. Like, the whole, like, cop versus mercenary war is pretty cool in the middle of the street. And, like, and it's weird thinking of, like, you know... Batman Begins is like, you know, over the course of his beginning of his life, and then the rest of the movie takes place within like a week or two. Dark Knight takes place maybe over the course of a week or two. And then Dark Knight Rises is over the course of like a year. It's like several, like many, many months. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it it's like no interesting sense. watching it through that lens, but um, I don't know. Still good. Commissioner Gordon's still good in it. Uh, Morgan Freeman's still good in it. Yeah, I like it. All my, I love Tom Hardy as Bane, but it's not the strongest character. Like, like Tom perform, like Tom Hardy performing the character is a lot stronger than the motivations of his character. It's a worthy sequel, but definitely the weakest of the three. Yeah, there's more to. I think there's more to like in this movie than to dislike, and. By the halfway point, it starts really picking up and getting good. I think there's just a lot of setup that goes really slow. It's always felt slow. There's a lot of extra characters that don't have much impact on the story, or they could have maybe, I don't know, made less characters. It just seems weird that we're trying to make, like... And this is my issue with, like, a lot of final movies, but when you start trying to introduce a bunch of characters when this is the final movie, I'm like, well, why are we doing this? I mean, think of Breaking yeah. Bad when that ended. Everybody by the final episode of Breaking Bad was dead or gone, and they only had, like, five characters to deal with. And that's awesome, because it made the ending good. Yep. But then you got other endings like this, or even, like, Rise of Skywalker. And some of the characters I like when they introduce them, because I... Some of the characters can be cool, but also at the same time, I'm like, why are we introducing so much? Because we kind of had a lot of setup in the last movie about where things were going to go. Because we framed everything on Batman, and we made it seem like this other guy was the good guy. And inevitably, that needs to be revealed to make for a third movie. 
and how the town's mm-hmm. going to react. And a lot of that does play out, but I just don't know why we need all these extra side characters, like random mansion owner who... God, the guy who... Krennic. <laughs> um, yeah, Krennic. Uh, he, we need him, and then we need his, like, kind of... I don't know, like, little schoolboy <laughs> partner, and then... You know, you have FBI agent on the plane, and you got, um, <laughs> if I take that mask off, will you die? It will hurt a lot. You're a big guy for you. Such a bad, like, like, balance of dialogue. It's just very weirdly paced there. And that happens a lot yeah. in this movie, where I'm just like, I feel like these lines are not being delivered correctly, or... But by the end, it gets very, very good, and it's very epic, even though it's very, very silly. Like, there's a bomb being carried out, being carried away by the bat wing, and it's just very silly. But it's very epic and big. This uh, comes in at number eight for me. Yeah, it's number seven for me. It's number seven for me as well. Number six for me. Alright, alright, alright. <laughs> I didn't get to see this in theaters, and it ticks me off to this day. My daughter keeps aging. I stayed the same age. <laughs> anyway. That, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> That's the freakiest part of this movie. That's like the scariest thing Christopher Nolan ever made. Just this idea that your kids grow up and you don't get to see any of it. That whole part is so sad. Yeah. Like, Matthew McConaughey is so good in this movie. I love the whole concept of this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd like it just because... I don't know. I'm not usually, like, big into the astronaut kind of movies, but this is so different and so, like, sci-fi that I could really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed it when I saw it. I've only seen it the once, though. So I've seen it quite a few times since it's come out because I don't know, I felt somewhat like I did about The Dark Knight Rises with this one where I felt like a lot of it was extra padding that maybe could have been I I just, I don't know how you simplify an idea like this because it is so complex um, the whole mechanics around it and Mm -hmm. so you kind of need all that stuff in the introduction that makes the movie longer but I think it's so good especially once they get to space and it's shot so well and it takes like influence from a lot of different sci-fi movies but it's Mm -hmm. like it's own thing too it never rips off other things like I think it's about to do Uh, like especially when they go to space and they find out pretty much that there's nothing that they can really do about the situation on earth and that the people who had sent them up there had pretty much given up. Um, like Michael Caine explained to, I think it was his daughter at one point, um, that there wasn't really anything that can be done that's going to save the universe or there's save Earth. And I started thinking, I'm like, is this going to go like the 2001 a Space Odyssey route where like the ship turns against them or like Alien it's going to have that robot turn against them or something but that never mm-hmm. happens they actually they they incorporate different ideas from other movies but they make it its own thing mm-hmm. was this Timothy Chalamet's like 
first big movie. Pretty much. I think I think it actually is his yeah. like first movie. Um, Casey Affleck is another one I forget is in this movie all the time. Topher mm. Grace. Topher Grace, yeah. Matt Damon. Oh, I forgot about that part even too. God, and that was like a surprise. He was not announced when they were saying who the cast was, but Matt Damon showing up was actually like a, a big surprise. And I still John forget John he's Lithgow even. The, too. Who was that? John Lithgow. Mm hmm. I remember when they announced the cast for this movie. I just thought it was like the weirdest Christopher Nolan cast ever. I was like, really? Math Matthew McConaughey? The guy from that 70s show. The <laughs> father of Barney's from How I Bet Your Mother. And uh, all these other people I don't know the name of. And then, then going to the theater, I'm like, and Matt Damon's in this. <laughs> I didn't know this movie existed. Like, it came out when I was living in Australia, and so, like, I totally missed the whole, like, run-up to the movie and everything, and, like, I just remember coming home and it was, like, out, and, like, I didn't hear about it or know about it or anything. It was just, like, already out, and so, like, I went and bought it on DVD and brought it home and watched it, like, the day I found out it existed. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I loved it, but I was confused as heck, and I think I watched it, like, a couple of days later. Um, and I feel like... I, I learn a little bit more about the science behind it, but I'm not confident I'll ever fully know what's going on. Like, the the basic understanding about how time is working and, like, you know, their relationship with his daughter, keeping them together, like, is, like, the focal point of the movie, and that, like, I still get it and relate to it, and I'm in it for that, but the actual... The, the the science between like going across the horizon of a black hole and stuff and like how gravity the, the whole gravity equation still I don't know what the hell that's all about but um, I get like, that it's important <laughs> huh because they're like using the, the force of like the black hole to slingshot them through I don't remember the science either Oh. It's more like the how like when he's in that weird like the bookcases like, fourth yeah in the bookcases yeah. and he's using gravity to communicate I don't get oh, that yeah. I don't understand like I don't understand why Michael Caine is trying to do this gravity equation the whole time and then be, just because he can't do the gravity equation like everyone's supposedly like doomed I don't get that I don't understand it I guess... Uh, I think it's just, quantum physics. And that's... Yeah. X. Well, because what they're trying to figure out, basically, is how to make a new Earth, because that is what they end up at at the end of the movie. They have that new, like, planet that they took over um, that's been, like, designed that way. And that was because of that gravity equation. And, yeah, I don't, I don't really get it either, though. Especially when he goes through that bookshelf and it's like oh you can see like every instance of time ever from this one point and I, I, I always wonder I'm like how did how did he end up here again I just it's so out there mm -hmm. but I buy it it never 
becomes too crazy because it's like I already know it's a sci-fi movie. I already know yeah. it's gonna do a lot of goofy stuff. It's not gonna be just yeah. straightforward. It's not gonna be like Insomnia. The ending is so awesome, especially when he like meets his daughter who's like super old now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of neat ideas that you never really normally get in a movie or you know, maybe you could get in a short film, but just some of this some of these ideas like your kids aging super fast while you don't or seeing your daughter who's really really old or Mhm. It's just super cool. Do you guys consider this a time travel movie? Kind of. Um, I don't know. Because he's I mean, not, like, traveling back in time. He's more just, like, waiting really well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, so, if you're time traveling and it happens in an instant, this movie takes place inside that instant. Yeah. So I guess kind of. I guess it depends on whose point of view you're looking through. It's like if you're mm-hmm. watching their story, then yeah, for sure. Yeah. But my time travel movies need a DeLorean, a Doc, and a Marty, so it doesn't count. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like that's not deliberately what the movie's trying to do. I feel like it's trying more to be like a space sci-fi movie you know a 2001 a space odyssey with a plot because christopher yeah. nolan is a very big kubrick fan and he has made some movies and i mean we're getting to another one too dunkirk where he's delving into genres that stanley kubrick did also but he Christopher Nolan's take on them is way more traditional than what Kubrick did. And you can tell that he's mm-hmm. a big fan of Kubrick, but he doesn't... He can't really make the movies that Kubrick made. And it's not like... I feel like with this movie, he was at least showing that that's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to make his own thing. Even though it really mm-hmm. does feel like 2001, but with a plot. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I just I wish I would have seen it in theaters. I, I hope they re-release this someday because I'd love to be able to see this on the big screen. Uh, it seems like it's meant to be a visual movie. Well, this is. Uh, Do we already rank it? No. This is number six for me. Number five for me. Also number five for me. It's number three for me. Uh, well, the tenth Nolan film. Uh, Dunkirk, or as I call it, Dumb Kirk. <laughs> um, no, that's good one. <laughs> what do you guys think of Dunkirk? I don't even know. I don't. I don't want to introduce this. Uh, it's pretty, but it's boring. <laughs> yep. I uh, huh? Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say, scene one. That was kind of not in the mindset to watch it, but I knew it was the only time I could watch it. So, I guess I didn't really give it a chance, but I wasn't... It's not for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I liked it, but it definitely was not what I was hoping for. Like, I think it was a good... It was very beautiful and sounded really beautiful. 
Um, and the storyline wasn't like I, I wasn't bored with it, but when you've seen like Christopher Nolan set a standard for how like wild and like deeply written his movies are, you kind of expect it. And I felt like this was like the least. Like, he put the least amount of thought and effort into this movie. Like, I feel like it was good. I, I would watch it again and be and like it and be enjoyed. Or, I would enjoy it, but, like, it's not the Christopher Nolan I was expecting to see. You know, after Interstellar was the last movie get, like, Interstellar to Dunkirk is, like, different directors altogether. It's, like, not at all the same anything, you know? Um, it's still good. I like it, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's at the bottom of my list because I just, when I think of Christopher Nolan, I don't think of Dunkirk. I think of every other movie he's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I feel like he is not probably known best for his visuals. He's probably known best for the kind of stories that he's created and mm -hmm. he's had some good visual stuff but it's funny that with this movie yeah. he was like I just want to make a very visually pleasing war movie and it's like yeah it gets the job done I don't think it really does anything that is typical of a Nolan movie like there's not a lot of Nolan tropes here there's like three different storylines going on but it's not even it's not handled the way that he does in his other movies it's not done in a completely interesting way and I guess that's the thing like w when you go into the movie what part of it are you looking for are you looking to see if Christopher Nolan really messed with the timeline in this movie or are you looking for just a good war movie because it's like I guess it's a good war movie but the thing is I'm like I don't know I've seen a better war movies though like 1917 came out uh, a couple months ago and I was like that was great and even that didn't have like too much to it other than the gimmick of the whole one tracking shot but I'm like oh, it looks that was a kind of good movie and I almost remember that yeah. story of that movie better than Dunkirk and for sure I mean I'm not the biggest war movie guy but I think uh, Paths of Glory is really good and Saving Private Ryan's really good and mm -hmm. you know those have interesting stories to them I'm like Dunkirk it's yeah. weird because I wouldn't even call it an epic because it's not too long of a movie and I think it's like his shortest movie besides following I think this might be his like shortest movie for mm -hmm. a guy who was making like two and a half hour long movies steady for the last couple of years and to top it off this in 2017 the darkest hour the darkest hour came out and that is about the exact same incident it's about the exact same thing in history except it's from the point of view of Winston Churchill and I thought that movie was better than this and I don't know if anybody's yep. edited the movies together yet because I think someone wanted to because they're essentially it's it's funny it's about the exact same thing but it's just two different point of views and they were made at like the same time and they didn't realize it right away until 
they started filming them and they're like, oh, this, these other people are making like the same movie, but about Winston Churchill instead. And I found that movie to be more interesting. I like remember more from that movie than this movie, even though they really um, romanticized Winston Churchill and did not go into yeah. everything that guy was about. But <laughs> still, yeah. I think that movie was better than Dunkirk because Dunkirk just doesn't have anything for me to really talk about after the fact, except that they got a guy from One Direction to be a good actor. I don't know. Yeah. So other than that... <laughs> Best part of the movie. I feel like a good chunk of the movie was just two dudes standing on a dock staring at each other. And then... I don't know. That's Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, it's just kind of a lot of... Eh. There's... It was kind of interesting, like, the time jumps, even though they weren't, like years apart it was like hours apart like there's all these like time jumps between like where tom hardy is in the plane where the family is in the boat and are they you know what the soldiers are trying to do to escape like it's interesting the different time jumps like i feel like he was trying to like really focus in and like capture some kind of like like the core of like human despair of being trapped on this beach and being shot at like out in the open like i feel like the trailers made it look like i'm gonna capture despair you're gonna feel the despair that these soldiers felt like and then i just didn't like in the movie i'm like i don't care like i could hide like i could hide (laughs) you know (laughs) like but i don't know it feels like it should be a little more you know dangerous and on the edge of your seat that I felt like because I felt the same way I was like oh I could hide I feel like you could find a way to avoid yeah. this and that's not how you should feel because that's not the truth but exactly the movie's <laughs> not really helping like I don't know I thought the only part of it that was really interesting was when they were on that boat and they picked up uh Killian Murphy Cillian Murphy yeah yeah Killian Cillian, I I don't know which one. Uh, but I don't know how to pronounce it either. Yeah, yeah. Scarecrow. When they picked up Scarecrow, um, and he like accidentally kills that guy, and they decide not to like blame him or bring it up, or they just kind of leave it be. And I don't even think he realizes he killed him. Like, what's that whole thing again? I forget exactly even what happened, but I. Th- that's how interesting it was. But. <laughs> That was the only part of it that I kind of liked. I was like, that's kind of, yeah, it's a little different. That makes you think. But I don't mm-hmm. know if it's really... I don't know. Yeah, I forgot that whole part was in there, I guess. Right. Because wasn't he, like, deserting? He was, like, trying to, like, take over the boat and leave Dunkirk because he didn't want to die. And right. then that's where the struggle happened. And he, like, killed one of the guy's sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, then it wasn't even like his son. It was someone who decided to join them, but he wasn't related to them. Okay. Yeah. So, and then he like died, and I thought. Yeah. And then all along, like Tom Hardy was like his other son. Was that revealed? <laughs> yeah. At the very end, there was like a picture of Tom Hardy. I think. Oh, I didn't. Even... <laughs> I didn't remember that. Yeah, it's a weird, like, like everyone in the movie is, like, loosely tied to each other. So there's, like, it's love, the actually. boat people, the plane people, and then the beach people. And, like, they're all loosely tied together. It's a small world but, after all. 
It's like the only Christopher Nolan aspect of the whole thing. You know what? They so. should have had Tom Hardy wake up and it's all a dream. Dunkirk wasn't real. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my number 10 movie. And that's not to say it's bad. It's still a 7 out of 10 movie. Uh, like, 3.5 out of 5 stars. But it's my yeah. favorite Nolan film. I'd say like three and a half. He's my number ten. It was my number nine. Yeah, it was tied for last with mine. I gave it two and a half stars because it was pretty, but I didn't like anything yeah. else in it. It's the only one we almost all agreed on. Yeah. I'd like to watch it again. It was cool to see on the big screen. I If you got a chance to see it yep. on the big screen, that's what I think yeah. made it awesome. Um, Sounded good. It's just, it's a good war movie, but I'm, it's just a genre where there, there is a lot of good war movies. There's a lot of good World War II movies. Yeah, it's almost I was going to say, I'd rather, I'd rather watch, like, Pearl Harbor or something. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a lot of World War II stuff, so there's a lot of stuff to go back to. And it's yeah. Just, it's becoming a pet. That's why 1917 was kind of fresh. It's not like it's a completely different era from World War Two, but it's nice mm-hmm. that it wasn't about World War Two. It was World War One. It was a completely different war. It was like kinda nice <laughs> to see something yeah. else. Or like watching Glory because it's about the Civil War, not about a modern war. You know, not that World War Two is even modern anymore, but it, it's like it's it, uh, we just see a lot of World War Two, you know? That's the one we always yeah. go back to. Um Anyways, I wish we could talk about Tenet, but it's not out yet, and I don't know when it will be out. <laughs> but yeah. I'd love to see it because I would love to discuss what seems to be a legit time travel movie of some sorts. Or Oh, really? I have no idea anything about it yet. I don't know anything about it either. It's got like some time travel element to it. Not really like time travel, but like time repetitiveness. I don't even I don't even know. World War Three or something. They're trying to prevent World War Three. Okay. That is part of the plot synopsis. I read that because I remember reading the plot synopsis and I thought it was kind of silly, but like one of the key words was World War Three, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I just saw the one trailer where they like they're doing like a forward shot and then like a reverse shot, and I'm like, "What is this?" And then that was it. Um. So we're about to play it. Uh, last movie on Earth, which is a game uh, where we try to guess the last movie that each of us have watched. One person will take their turn to describe the movie based off a description on Netflix or IMDb or something. And we'll try and guess it. If we guess it right, we get a point. But if no one guesses the movie, then that person gets two points. And we were keeping track. Uh, and then COVID hit, so whatever this year's results are, they're going to be su- very sad compared to last year's. I mean, we, we can keep so. it going still. I think the other one technically went over like two years, um, just about. Yeah. But right now I have, after we reset for this year, it's uh, Zach with 9, Chloe with 11, Hunter with 12, Justin with 14. 
Very exciting <laughs> numbers. This is kind of depressing. <laughs> you know, another really sad thing that I think about super often and just get really discouraged. We weren't able to do our summer blockbuster thing this year. I know. <laughs> And I, I thought about hitting you guys up and being like, you know, we forgot to like get it even going, but then coronavirus hit and then kind of put a halt to everything. But at the time, I was thinking Hunter should get to work on that though, because by the time movie theaters open again, the summer season will begin. So and then it, yeah, no way. But then we'll I was thinking, late season but then I was thinking during the summer, I was like, well, for the movies that are planned later in the summer, we should just hit up everyone to do like a real quick one, like just kind of do guesses, and then no, like the rest of the summer, I was like, it's just not happening. Can I predict yeah. that New Mutants will be the highest grossing movie of the summer <laughs> <laughs> for the one or two days they'll be out in the summer? My God, isn't Wonder Woman eighty four coming out like? This weekend That's or something? Yeah, October. That one's October. Huh? Tenet's in October. September. Um, Black Widow's in November. And then I think December has... I think that's when the James Bond movie's coming out. And they also have um, Free Guy finally coming out after we saw like 50 trailers. I remember that movie from like January. It's weird because all these movies I just completely forgot about are going to be like coming out one by one yeah. in a matter of weeks. Free guy. And that's if movie theaters stay open. I mean, who knows? They might close again. So it's a little obscure. You might know it. Um... But the description is when Vicky Maloney is randomly abducted from a suburban street by a disturbed couple, she soon observes observes the dynamic between her captors and quickly realizes she must drive a wedge between them if she is to survive. Uh, it's an Australian movie, if that helps. The Babadook. No. <laughs> Putting a wedge in it, mate. What? I said, putting a wedge in it, mate. <laughs> oh, Crocodile Dundee <laughs> 2. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Nope. Oh, you, Justin? Well, no, I guessed. I, no, I said that was my title. Putting a wedge oh, in it. Okay. Is that not the title? Uh, I thought it was like a nope. goofy comedy. <laughs> Close. Okay, it's called Hounds of Love. Ah, that one. Hounds of love. That old chestnut. I forgot. Was it Is hounds or pounds? Hounds, like yeah. dog. Okay. Hounds of love. Uh. Yeah, it's a really interesting little true crime uh, about a horrifying uh, serial killer couple, which is pretty rare. Um, super interesting. Um, Zach? Oh, I'll go. Uh, when carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at Palm Springs at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Was that one forgetting called... Sarah Marshall? Nope. Was that one called Palm Springs Retreat? Is that your final answer? Yeah, I don't remember the title, but I know what you're talking about. I want to watch it. I watched it with you. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it was just called Palm Springs. <laughs> so oh, you're really it? close. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't uh, remember. 
with Andy no, Samberg and uh, those are really fun. What's her name? Alyssa Milano. Milano. Uh, the... Mal no, it's not her. It's Chris. Chris... Kristen Melody. Yeah, Melody. Yeah. That's what it was like. Not Milano. Melody. And J.K. Simmons is in it. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, he's pretty funny. In that. Is it just a sequel yeah, it's a... to I Love You, Man? What? Is it just a sequel to I Love You, Man with J.K. Simmons and Andy Samberg? <laughs> yeah, the son. <laughs> no, it's a time movie. And I, I really dig it. Yeah, I got yeah, that trailer that's... shared with me, and... I saw the time loop part, and I was like, okay, this is Groundhog Day, Happy Death Day. Like, we're getting a lot of this now, and mm -hmm. um, a lot of Groundhog Day ripoffs. But then, like, I saw, like, the actual trailer, and I was like, oh, this actually looks kind of cool. Maybe it is good. And, yeah, I've been watching other streaming service movies like Disney's Magic Camp, and I've been putting off the movie I actually want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Cashier and part-time starving artist Christopher Cross is absolutely smitten with the beautiful Kitty March. Kitty plays along, but she's really only interested in Johnny, a two-bit crook. When Kitty and Dan find out that the art dealers are interested in Chris's work, they con him into letting Kitty take credit for the paintings. Cross allows it because he is in love with Kitty, but his love will only let her get away with so much. This was released in 1945, and it was directed Jesus. by Fritz Lang. Oh, Fritz Lang. <laughs> who directed Metropolis and the Peter Lorre film oh, really? M. He directed Metropolis? Yes. Back in 1927, and then in 45, he made this film noir. And then he was still making movies late into the 50s. He made a movie called The, um, the, the Big Heat. Like he hmm. and that was like the late fifties. So he, it's weird. He started in the silent era and he was still directing late into the fifties. And I'm like, that's crazy. And he was still making good yeah. movies all throughout. Um, he, but a lot of his like film noirs from the forties aren't as well known, but they're very good and have been like critically praised. But like a lot of people don't know about them. And this one is amazing. This is like one of the best. Like movies I've just seen recently, like this is a great hmm. movie. I don't know. I must say, Kitty's Biddies, an American tale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was. It was actually an American tale. Fifle goes west. You were very close. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> called Scarlet Street. Hmm. One of the best from that era. I wish I had heard of this movie before. All right. Led by a warrior named Andy, a covert group of tight-knit mercenaries with a mysterious inability to die have fought to protect the mortal world for centuries. But when the team is recruited to take on an emergency mission and their extraordinary abilities are suddenly exposed, it's up to Andy and Niall, the newest soldier, to join their ranks to help the group eliminate the threat to those who seek to replicate and monetize their power by any means necessary. Andy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that weird. dystopian thriller starring Andy. Andy. <laughs> it's Toy Story 5, guys. <laughs> That's my official guess. Um, You guys want... Uh, to, is it year? Yeah. What do we do next? Yeah. 2020. 
Really? Yep. Um, oh, ooh, it's oh, is it Project Power? Project is that what it was called? What? Was it Project called Power? Project Power? Who said it first? It's hard to tell on the thing. I said it. No, well, I was you're both actually... wrong. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Did we both say it? it... Oh, it's not. You're both that. wrong. Well, oh, no, it's, it's not. It's old. It. Is it not even that movie? <laughs> no, it's is not it that movie. Netflix? Is it a Netflix movie? I'm not telling you. Well, we both guessed. Well, he's got to guess. <laughs> is it? Uh, here, hold on. It's directed by Gina Prince Bithwood. Um, and the top actress is Charlize Theron. Oh. Is she Andy? What was the name of that movie? I forgot the name of that one, too, but I've seen it. It's on my watch list. Yeah, did you guess? Who is everyone guess already? Yeah. My guess was Toy Story 5. <laughs> okay. Say a real Toy Story. Uh, like the f- time before. So, wait, so you guys guessed it, right? Yeah, we all guessed. Yeah, I guessed Project Power. Okay. Uh, the Old Guard. Okay. Was that any good? Which, yeah, surprisingly decent. Like, it, it wasn't amazing. I'll probably never watch it again, but they set it up for a sequel, and I'll definitely watch the sequel. Hmm. So, I like anything with Charlie's Throne in it. It's, like, kind of like Assassin's creed like, uh, this, like, basically every so often someone's born with this power where they just it's like wolverine disease they keep coming back to life (laughs) and like self-healing only they like there's a couple of them and throughout the centuries like they get like when there's another one born they get drawn together like they have like this imprint something that yeah like draws them together like they have dreams about each other and stuff and then they join together and then they kind of like are basically like a mercenary group to like try and help the world um and it's kind of a neat premise so it's like different warriors from different time periods like there's like the main character Charlize Theron her name is Andy but short for uh, Andromache and they keep saying like she's like as old as time like she doesn't even remember when she's from essentially um but then like there's like the newest member to their group is like it's like a girl fighting in Afghanistan and like she like joins their group and stuff and uh, it's interesting hmm. what um, streaming service is it on? Netflix okay um, it's got her and then like the next like popular people in it is uh, Mordo from from uh Doctor Strange, mm. and then the evil brother of Harry Potter. That's like a doucher. Oh. Um, Dudley. Yeah. Dudley. <laughs> he, Dudley? Yeah. <laughs> Dudley's in it. Nice. That's his cousin. So. But... Cousin, yeah. Is he a good guy or is he the bad guy in this too? Bad guy. Dudley's not a bad guy. He's misunderstood. <laughs> you should. Have you guys seen the ballad of uh, Ricky Bobby? Of, no, the the uh, Coen Brothers movie, the Western. Ballad of oh, Buster yeah. Scruggs. Buster. Buster. I did yeah. not see it. 
Yeah, he's, he's in, that. in that. Isn't he like the butt, the stumpy dude? Yeah, it's really <laughs> sad. Makes you feel so bad for him. <laughs> the ballad but. of Buster Scruggs. The ballad of... But that's not... No. Everybody got two <laughs> points because nobody could guess any of the movies. So yeah. now we're that's at, never happened. Yeah, this is crazy. We're we were all dumb dumbs tonight. Um, Zach's got eleven. Chloe's got thirteen. Hunter's got fourteen. Justin's got sixteen. Congrats, everybody! I have given you all points, and may God still have mercy on your soul. <laughs> nice. Are we still doing Adam Sandler? <laughs> oh, I would love to. That's a good point. We should still do that. Um, oh, I do. I just don't want to have to watch any new Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I kind of need a reason to watch the Ridiculous Six. Just saying that. Yeah. You just realized the last movie I watched before all of, all of the Nolan movies was Mr. Deeds. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually watched Uncut Gems finally. That was really good. Was I good. still haven't watched. It's, I think that's on Netflix. You should give it a watch. It's really, it's crazy movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's a movie that it'll stress you out the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And I just watched uh, like last month. I watched Big Daddy again, and that's one where it's, I don't know. A lot of those older Adam Sandler movies are just they're too close to my heart to really hate on in any way, and I still think they're kind of funny. But some of his later mm-hmm. stuff, I feel like I feel like the real dividing point was Chuck and Larry. I think it every everything to me went downhill once Chuck and Larry came out. Like Chuck and Larry was like not good, and I feel like everything's... yeah, because Click was like the last good Adam Sandler movie, I'd say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think some of the humor in Chuck and Larry's like, yeah, and then all those all those other movies after that just it doesn't seem like they're as funny or. But then again, I might yeah. watch a lot of these older ones. Because and because of Kevin like James. Yeah. It's because of Kevin James. <laughs> Speaking Paul of Kevin Blart. James, see that movie where he plays a neo-Nazi? What? <laughs> it's like a straight-to-Redbox movie that he's like a neo-Nazi. He's, what's the plot? He's the bad guy. <laughs> I'm looking this so up. So the plot is, I'll read it. Oh, yeah, it's called Becky. It's called Becky, and the plot is a teenager's weekend at a lake house with her father takes a turn for the worse when a group of convicts wreaks havoc on their lives. I'll send you a screenshot oh, of I a really see, I see the review. poster. Oh, Becky. Hey, Justin, have you watched any Reagan movies? Ray- like, like... Like Ronald... Starring Ronald Reagan? Oh, I haven't. I really want to. There is a movie from like the 50s where he's like he's in a movie with a monkey i really want to see that one i, f- I forget what it's called uh, it's like let me look it up uh, the zookeeper yeah. <laughs> it's the original i just really i was thinking of like if i was to join justin's patreon what would i request and just be every ronald reagan movie yeah he he <laughs> He was in the movie called Bedtime for Bonzo. It's a monkey movie. I really want to see that. Oh, wait. So guess. Wait, let's do a fun. Oh, wait, should we do the Yeah. The cinema song oh, thing? Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and always remember. We won't be gone forever. Uh, but always remember. Um, 
Wait, no, it's uh, Ender uh, Mechanic. Always beware right. of the cinema swamp. Always beware of the cinema swamp. That was awful. Cinnamon. Nice. We need another 20 episode break. Thanks for listening. Bye. Always taste my cinnamon mop. <laughs> it should be a different thing every time. Thanks for listening to this episode, and what is your favorite Christopher Nolan film, and what are your thoughts on the upcoming film, Tenet? Are you excited to see it? Are you going to see it in theaters, or are you going to wait until it's at home to watch safely in the comfort of your living room? Leave a comment on the episode, like our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinema Swamp, and remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp, and stay safe, everyone.